Beardon Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. It's your boy, Pat the Designer, back at it again, joined by Courtney Cronin. On today's show, uh, she pretty much put out all the topics. The article that has everybody buzzing about the Chicago Bears, written by Courtney Cronin and Jeremy Fowler over on ESPN.com. Courtney, how are you? I'm good. Happy New Year. I don't know. Did we do a show yesterday or are we kicking things off officially? I uh, think this is the official kickoff. No drop to the show yesterday. So this is the first show of the new year. And uh, I'm happy to to be doing the first show of the new year. We can just set the tone for what's to come in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, if if this thing turns out being a Bears win over the Green Bay Packers, this will probably be the best week in a couple of years for this entire franchise. So. Yeah, three finishing out the season on three wins in a row and closing out the Packers playoffs hopes would be amazing. <laughs> and it would save so many jobs that I'm not sure that I want saved. But we'll have to talk about all of that because you and uh, Jeremy did an excellent job on the article and talking about, you know, what the Bears can get in the situation that they did move on from fields, talking about what they could get for moving on from the number one pick, talking about kind of what the future holds for Ryan Poles and where he's at with all of that. We got to talk about all that on today's episode. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave a five-star review. Y'all know what to do. Let's start here, Courtney, because I think that, first off, let's start in a sensible place, right? Because we know if they win or lose versus the Packers, we're sailing clean off a cliff or we're flying to the moon. It's one or the other. There's no rationale with the Packers. So I kind of feel like this is as rational as we're going to get as Bears fans in the world. Talk to people kind of about where Ryan Poles is at decision-wise because we've heard him kind of be a little more, uh, a little less vague in some of his more recent comments talking about what he wants to see from this team moving mm-hmm. forward. And of course, coaching, player development, different things like that. Well, you go back to week nine at the time of the Montez sweat trade when he gave that vote of confidence, a really big vote of confidence to Matt Eberflus. I know you and I kind of dissected, all right, what did he mean by all of that? What did it mean in the short term and in the long term? And in the short term, Eberflus has done everything that the Bears have asked him to do after a two and seven start. The fact that they could, you know, they've won four of their last five games. If they end eight and nine, having won three in a row following the loss at Cleveland, that weighs heavy into the evaluation of whether he'll be back or not next year. And I know we've talked about that report that came out from NFL Network, which was oddly worded just in the way that, like, it it pointed – there was nothing definitive that came out of it, which, again, like, the timing of it to come out before the Week 17 game against Atlanta and then, you know, kind of point to, all right, well, Eberflus is likely coming back if – you know, if the strong uh, if the strong stretch that they're on right now continues, that factors in, I think, with Sunday's game. But, I, I, you know, I'd be willing to, from the pulse that I have on this, it feels more like regardless of what happens on Sunday, yeah, he's probably safe. But can you imagine this team has not beaten the Packers since 2018 to go do it in their place to play spoiler to a Green Bay team that has to win in order to put itself in position to get into the playoffs? I know there's a number of different scenarios, but winning is their easiest path to do that. If if the Bears blow that all up, like that's a it's not just a win. It's not just an eight and nine finish. Like there's so much more value in that for this franchise. And it's beyond just that the McCaskies love this rivalry. It means more yeah. to them than anything else that, you know, that it's a little tongue in cheek to be like, wow, Maddie Berflace might get a contract extension if he goes and beats the, um, you know, goes and beats the Packers. But to end the season, having nothing to play for in terms of postseason implications, but with a win over your biggest rival on the road with all of your starters or healthy starters playing to a point that you can carry that momentum over into the next year, that speaks volumes to what they can do to build upon their, their, uh, you know, overcoming a lot of adversity in the second half of the season and carry that into next year to end on a high note speaks like that. It just, it just, it, you can't overstate how important that is, even though the time between the end of that game and the start of the regular season is about eight, nine months. Yeah. That's momentum into the next couple weeks of the off season, what they do with the coaching staff and then ultimately what they do at the quarterback position and gives you a good feeling that these guys can hang on to that, 
they want to be here. They want to play hard. They want to be part of this team because this team is building something that they can they can see success down the line. If they continue on this trajectory, they'll get there because there have been a lot of moments this back end of the season, really since week 11, that you've been able to pinpoint, hey, if this continues, this is this could be a playoff team next year. This could be a team that you know goes much further than an eight and nine record or yeah. seven and ten at worst. And that's monumental improvement that we were talking about, at least those of us who like had the rational thought that this team wasn't going worst to first this year. That's building upon something and showing that your process is working. So, I mean, the win in Green Bay would mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But overall, it shows that the progress that this team has achieved is continuing uh, going into the offseason. And I think it's so interesting when you – talk about right how Ryan Poles has some really interesting decisions to make. I think the part that makes it kind of like, okay, is this already set in his mind is it's been continual development in the right direction throughout the season. The season started off in literally the worst place that mm-hmm. it could have. I mean, you were the laughing stock of the league yet again. You couldn't get an offense. You had an offense that literally, right, Dan Orlovsky's guys who have played in these systems, different things like that, looked at it and was like, I don't know what Luke Getzey's trying to scheme up here. I don't know who Justin Fields is supposed to be throwing to. Right? Like, it, it, there was a lot of question marks on this team, but you've continued to see that move in the right direction as the season has gone on. I think that makes Ryan Pohl's decision-making a lot harder, especially if the Bears get a win at the end of this thing. Because you look at the Atlanta game, right? And we really haven't talked about that on the pod yet. But Justin Fields looked really good against the defense that was a top 10 defense that had allowed the least amount of red zone touchdowns in the NFL. I believe mm-hmm. they had 16 on the season. He scored three in the first half, right? And he got his team in position for four and was able to score. Like, there are so many good things kind of going towards the end of this season, finishing out the season on a Packers win, I guess here's here's a question for you, right? Does it feel like this is a everybody's in or nobody's in situation? Or does it feel like maybe they'll say, okay, we'll keep flus because we love what we're seeing on the defense. 21 takeaways, tie for first in the NFL. Fields, you got to go. Get to you got to go. Or get to you're sticking around. How, how's the vibe kind of feel on that right now? Well, it's the domino effect because you got to figure out who the head coach is going to be in 2024 first. And then comes the decision on the offensive coordinator. And then comes the decision at quarterback. Like you have to follow it in succession. um, Otherwise, it won't work. And, you know, that's why if everything truly is trending towards Eberflus comes back, we don't have a coaching search. Monday, locker cleanout day is a relatively quiet day. Then they start pulling apart the entire season that week. And then we find out the news on like the offensive coordinator and what that, you know, is there going to be a change? Is there not? Cause if they end up running it back, the quarterback thing can go either way. If they end up firing Luke Getze, the thought of bringing in a new coordinator to have Justin Fields in his third offense since 2021 and knowing that it usually takes about two years to learn the terminology alone, that to me, like at least just the way that like, if you're thinking about it logically, that probably means that they're drafting a quarterback, but it's, it's such a hard spot to be in. And it's not, it's not easy. And I, and I know there's a lot of fans out there right now who say this is a cut and dry. This is not a conundrum. I know people have had (laughs) issue with me using that word. It is, it it is the antithesis of an easy decision because of all of those layers and how each one affects the other. So like, you know, are they going to run it back with everybody? Would that surprise you at this point? Like, it, it truly, I mean, and it, take take the quarterback, and I know it's like kind of hard to like, take the quarterback, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard, but like, it would if you're if you're looking at it through that lens, it wouldn't surprise you if they're like, hey, no. we're on the cusp of something. We have a group that now it's played together. We are healthy. We have a good offensive line or good enough offensive line. You're never going to have five great starters, but if you have right. three that are really damn good, then you're in a good spot. But like, you have a team that can protect the quarterback. You have a quarterback who has shown he can, you know, he, he's made strides here. Yes, the fourth quarter numbers, which we can get into, all of the things like that go against the field's evaluation in a negative way have to be factored in. But like, if you're looking at all the other elements of where this team is right now, of course you can make an argument. The defense coming back and going to get more pieces in free agency, that running it back is a legitimate option on the table. But then you, like, again, it's like there's, there's, there's 10 scenarios you have to lay out here, which is the difficult part. And fortunately for Ryan Poles, you just need to make sure you have one of them roughly by next Monday. 
which <laughs> it's not going to be an 11th hour, like, oh, they lose to the Packers. Like, that really yeah. changes the evaluation. The body of work from Matt Eberflus the last couple of weeks, that's why everything's trending towards him coming back um, and us not having a coaching search and us not finding out about a firing uh, next Monday. I thought it was very interesting how Ian Rappaport brought it up, right? He said he's hearing positive things mm -hmm. out of Chicago. And for me, I was like, where's he, where's he listening? Because I'm on the radio and I know I'm not feeling overly positive. I feel like we're moving in the right direction, but it's not like it's Super Bowl or bust, baby. We're, we got everything figured out. And it, it was just so interesting to hear him say that he's hearing very positive things, which would m lead me to believe that he's probably hearing that from inside the building. He's probably mm -hmm. hearing that from the guys who are making the evaluation on the people whose jobs are in, are, uh, in jeopardy or, or are safe already. And that, to me, feels like Ryan Poles kind of has this already mapped out in his mind, the decisions that he wants to make at the quarterback position, at the head coach position, at the OC position, at the DC position. Like, I, I, it seems like he's already and, – and that wouldn't surprise me about Ryan Poles because he's followed the plan that he pretty much told us he was going to do to a T since he's got here. He's obviously mapped it out. Like he's not going into this blind the next yeah. week or so and say, all right, well, because you never want to be emotional to let one game dictate how you feel about a coach or a player. And he knows that. And he's learned the last two years of doing this job that you have to take the emotion part out of it and look at the whole body of work and everything he said, like listening to him talk about fields on the pregame interview with Jeff Joniak the other day, like, it's the same tone that you get from the general manager as you got earlier in the year that like, there are good things. There are not so good things. How do you weigh those two to determine, all right, you're going to move forward with him because that's, that's not just a next year decision. That's a decision. If you're, if you're moving forward with Justin Fields, you're picking up his fifth year option. Yeah. You have to start thinking longer term. Is this someone we want to pay $40 million a year to? Cause that's the going rate for starting quarterbacks right now. And he's not going to take it. He's not going to take a penny less than that. Yeah. Um, look at what Daniel Jones has got paid. No way. No way. Um, but there's you can't there's, get paid less than Daniel Jones. That's all I know. <laughs> that's, a, that's the going rate for starting quarterbacks, and it's only going to continue to go up. So, like when you're evaluating this, you can't possibly be just looking at it in the spectrum of the next season. It has to be two years from now. Is Justin Fields a quarterback that has this team? routinely in position to win big games, to come through in the fourth quarter, to have this team on the trajectory towards a deep playoff run. And if yeah. you can't confidently answer that, knowing all the other things you would have to do to have in place to make this team successful, then you have to lean the other direction. But as far as, as, far as through all my reporting, through all Jeremy and I collaborated, collaborated on here, does the team likely know the direction they want to go at quarterback? Sure. They've done yeah. a lot. There's a lot of research, a lot of time, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of meetings, a lot of discussion. Have they ultimately like, is it already decided? No, it's not. And that I can mm. tell you definitively that it's not like as of January 2nd, they know what they're doing one way or the other. And that is what they have time to deliberate on. But first and foremost, you have to know, all right, either way, fields or not fields, is the head coach that you currently have of the Chicago Bears the guy that you want coming back in 2024? Is this the right fit from a culture perspective, from a scheme perspective, and everything else? And a lot of those answers are going to be yes when it comes to Eberflus based on um, what we've seen. The wild card in all of this is Kevin Warren. Yeah. Like his influence, his his ultimate say in everything. He has a say in football operations. Like literally, that is one of the the first things we learned about him that Ryan Poles would be reporting to Kevin Warren in, you know, going forward. That was the structure. So how Kevin Warren factors in all of this, the next couple of weeks will tell you, all right, are we going to start hearing from him? Are we going to start seeing his impact on 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 roster decisions, on on personnel, on coaches? Yeah. Because that will play into those two who have a great working relationship. You know, we detailed that in the story that you know, I think you have to separate Eberflus from Poles in terms of both of their futures kind of at least right now appearing murky. That Poles has a, has a far clearer path to being back here. And from what I've been told, that's, you know, effectively a given at this point that there's nothing in question about his job security. So, and, I, and we, you and I have been saying this. Like, I remember yeah. like saying this three or four weeks ago. Like, but that's, that's a, again, like we know 
at least come next week, who's going to be making part of those decisions. And I think when you listen to Eberflus, he was on with Dion and Sylvie last week, his tone has shifted about the offseason. And yeah. it does feel like he's more confident knowing, speaking about it because he knows, or at least he's been told, as the way he's been putting it off, that he will be the one making those decisions on the roster and on, on the coaches as well. Yeah, it, it, it's when I look at kind of the job that he's done, I don't know how people were. When we heard like Ryan Poles could also be on the hot seat, I was just like, how? Like, even I've never the, really understood that. Like, I, <laughs> even with the issues that Justin Fields has had, even with the issues that, first off, most GMs usually get two coaches, unless you work for David Temper, uh, David Temper, right? Like, he's he's getting you out of the building and throwing drinks as you go. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just like most GMs usually get a two coach limit to, to bring their guys in and try and figure it out, usually get a couple of drafts. And as mm-hmm. you look at the drafts, I mean, Ryan Poles has starters all over the place. Say what you want about Braxton Jones being an elite left tackle. He's still a starter, and he was a fifth-round pick. right? Like you, you continue to see starters at every level. I said Sunday in Atlanta, yeah, it was a win for the Bears, but really it was a win for Ryan Poles. The Panthers give you lock you up with the first overall pick. Tyreek Stevenson has two interceptions. Javon Dexter has a sack and a half. Kyler Gordon has an interception. Jalen Johnson uh, uh, going out. you like, oh, no, what's going to happen here? Terrell Smith steps in. He looks like he hasn't missed the beat. Like There were so many things on Sunday that, to me, I was just like, yeah, how did how did we ever think that Ryan Poles was on a hot seat at any point? And don't forget DJ Moore. I mean, DJ just set career highs in receiving yes. yards, yards per game, touchdowns in a season. Like that is the biggest element for me in terms of his decision because that kickstarted all of last offseason. Yeah. Every in Montez Sweat, of course. I mean, we've been talking about him till we're blue in the face. So it's kind of like, okay, it's nice that you know. I mean, his impact is 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 what it is because we know how good he is. Like, it, there will never be a point I don't believe that we're like, oh, like Montez Sweat, blah blah. Like, he's just yeah, he is like that. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, but everybody else, when you have draft picks that are playing a ton this season and those guys are coming through, your evaluation process is getting validated, and you know. It, from from everything from from DJ Moore to Darnell Wright to Tyreek Stevenson, all three individuals who were affected by that Carolina trade because of the extra second round pick they ended up trading, so they can move up to go get Stevenson yeah. to the you know the ninth pick that they flipped into the tenth pick to go get uh, Darnell Wright. Like all of those things are positive check marks for for Ryan Poles. It's just now the biggest thing he has to figure out is the quarterback and. To your point on coaches, GMs usually getting like two coaches. He didn't hire. I mean, I know what's out there. He was not the one who had the ultimate say on Matt Eberflus. That was a mm. Ped Phillips, and that was a George McCaskey decision at the end of the day. So this would be Ryan Poles making that first real decision on a head coach. I know, like what was said, I chose him. That whole thing with the press conference, but. You know, if you talk to people inside the building about who had the real juice in that moment, yeah. um, that was that was a that was a Ted Phillips and, and George McCaskey decision ultimately. So all of that said, like this will be the first like you know kind of decision that we see from Ryan Poles in terms of coaches. Like if you stick with Matt Eberflus and you're pairing, then you at that point are truly truly linking yourselves together more than just what happened in the first two years, if that kind of makes sense. Because yeah, obviously yeah. they were linked for the first two years, the roster, the way the roster, the way it was in 2022, the way that you had to tear it down, the way you tried to build it up. Like those were collaborative decisions. But going forward, then I think like, you know, and that's a topic for 2024, but that's like, a, then you get to evaluate them more in lockstep than I think you did the first two years. That's so interesting too, because now it's like, in my mind, even if Ryan wants to move on, is it maybe could it be a situation where Kevin Warren's like, I don't know, dog. Like we're about to try and move a stadium. We don't want a team to be like we can't pretend like we haven't seen teams that are moving. Just say no, we're gonna keep the head coach in place because stability, we, yeah, stability. Like also, literally, you know, that's what the Rams did. You're on the cusp of something right now. Yeah, so like that also factors in. The defense has improved mightily since. Yes. Flu started calling it, and, and I mean that factors in too. Remember what he said about you know looking into next year evaluating do you still want to be a defensive play caller his answer answer for that was interesting because it wasn't hey it wasn't just that they were going to look into 2024 we'll decide that next year he made it a point to say i have a passion for it i enjoy doing it but it's a decision like you know we're like 
to put that out there, to front it with front load it with that shows me that this is probably a role like he ends up keeping on. I would imagine they will name a defensive coordinator. There's plenty of guys on the staff, um, whether it's John Hoke, Andre Curtis, well respect, well respected members of that defensive staff who could end up being promoted to DC. I still believe that, you know, Flus is back. He's calling the defense next year. That would, that would make me feel a heck of a lot more comfortable because as I've said multiple times, right, my value for Flus right now as our head coach is as the defensive coordinator, because yeah. he's building a defense at, listen, you got to give a ridiculous amount of credit to, and I've said this with Lance. I've said this a, a million times, a defense is still missing the most important piece of it. You still don't have a three. Now, Javon Dexter developing nicely. Let's hope yeah. we can keep and that one going day, in the right one day he could be He could be that guy. But having right. like a monster three technique in this defense is the last, last big thing that they have to solve. And they can yeah. go get, you know, keep an eye on the Chris Jones thing this offseason and how things play out with him in Kansas City. I mean, I know that I, I know we ended up signing the extension, but like, look, there's other names that are out there, too, that yeah. could be available via trade could be available via free agency like that has to be among their top priorities um and that's that's no slight on Javon Dexter it's just if, if you feel like you're a team that is a, a one piece away from being going from a good defense to a great defense to maybe a top two defense in the NFL all yeah. categories then that's that's the next thing you got to solve in addition to getting another edge rusher in here um, it'll be interesting to see yeah. what he does in that Packers game because if he has another game like he had versus Arizona they might feel like all right, he developed out. We got we're good going into next season with him. Maybe we add something in there, draft something. But I, I think you're at a point now where you're talking about probably paying somebody to come in here and be the three technique yeah. of this team. If you can save money on that position, we know that Ryan Poles is very willing to allow his young guys to continue to develop. I think the the one thing that every and by the way, hit that like button if you're in here on the YouTube side, subscribe to the page. We appreciate you guys for showing love. We do want to let you know this episode is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. Enjoy free live music every Friday and Saturday night at the Hard Rock Cafe stage. This is uh the of course the most interesting part for everybody is Justin Fields. What's going to happen at the quarterback position? I thought in you guys article a very interesting point from a uh executive in the NFC uh where it said I just know what Fields is at this point, a great athlete and a playmaker who misses some throws he shouldn't or doesn't always take the throws available to him. You can win some games with him and he's got some elements to his game that are really impressive, but it's not sustainable long term from a pocket passing standpoint in my opinion. When I hear that and I don't disagree that he still needs to take leaps. It's not just like steps. He still needs to take leaps to me as a pocket passer. And I think creating the pocket as well uh, still needs a little bit more improvement. I don't care what PFF says. Nate Davis did a lot of spinning in that game. Um, but when I hear that, to me, I look at the situation with Justin Fields and say, so you believe that there are the highs of the highs and still some lows. Yep. And that's the thing that is kind of the consensus among people that both of us talk to. I actually, I'm going to read you this text. I got yeah. a text from a very high ranking official on a different team this morning, which asked me, is like, I'm really surprised this Fields thing is being thought of as a tough decision and an either or. Um, and I said, well, how come? Why? How do you see it that way? And said, the fact that there isn't clarity on Fields after three years means there is clarity. Um, you'd be mm. foolish to pick up the option if you are not sold. Taking a quarterback is an easy decision to me, even easier if you're not feeling like you can, you have to trade Justin Fields, which is a different scenario that a lot yeah. of people like, you know, have stayed away from. I don't know if it's just like too convoluted, the thought of having both quarterbacks in here, number one pick and Fields next year. But yeah. that part, and that was somebody I did not actually speak to for this story in our reporting. So that's somebody who read the story this morning um, and expressed the same sentiment that Jeremy and I had heard from, from execs around the league for the last couple of weeks as we reported on this. And, and for, for months from people yeah. I've talked with, like if you have 37 starts and it's not clear, there's your answer. The clarity that the non-clarity is an answer. And it's a question of, do you really need 37 starts to know who the guy is? Or you keep holding out, for hope little bit by little bit by little bit you're going after these crumbs is it going to lead you to a cookie or is it just going to lead you to more crumbs and then all of a sudden at the end you're just going to see a pile of things and you're kind of left with nothing at that point yeah. that's the fear for this team you don't want to be in that situation where 
you go all this time, you think Fields is the guy, you keep holding out hope, and then ultimately, if he can't deliver you your ultimate goal, then you will have bought into something that maybe you would have known far sooner than even 30 games of a sample size that he wasn't your guy. Now, you then, of course, layer and layer and layer and everything else in yeah. here, the situation he walked into, two different offenses in three years, having to have this roster gutted and he wasn't set up for success, so how could you really evaluate him in true fashion last year, the injuries, all those things come into play, but the – the the boom and bust that comes yeah. like that's the nature of what that of that quote you read from the NFC executive that there's high end production here but there's also some things that are like man three years in you're still dealing with some of these flaws in his game is it really fixable can he really get himself past some of his struggles like that is the conundrum circling back to that word that's yeah. the conundrum that this team faces with Justin himself like we know he's a playmaker. We know that. We know he can be the guy to do what he did on Sunday, that Houdiniak, where he's escaping the pocket after getting yeah. sacked, you know, working his way out of two sacks, almost gets tackled another time. Um, he can do all of those things. Those are great. You don't need any more explanation on that. You need to know, can, can Atlanta be less of the anomaly, and can that result be against a good defense? You know, a team that could very well still win the NFC South. Um, can that... Can that be regular? Can that not just yeah. be okay? Like things are trending upwards. Like, can you can you have that play earlier in the season than week seventeen, and it doesn't count for anything in terms of getting to the playoffs? Yeah, and and I think the the part that to me I looked at in the article when and seeing Jeremy kind of go into it was the fact that there's still a feeling that the Bears could get a second or a third round pick in a mm -hmm. Justin Fields trade. So that means that people are like just as many people around the league that are like, yeah, I, I'd be out on him. I'd be going to get the quarterback. I'm done. There's also people around the league that are like, I'd give up high draft capital. For, for sure. And that's the part that is kind of, it's very interesting because like you won't find a consensus on, Oh, he's worth this. He's worth that. Like, I had heard everything from second to third to fourth round pick. And obviously like, it's not just a fourth rounder, but it'd be like a package of those things. You know, that's, he's going to be playing in the NFL beyond this yeah. season. If it's not for Chicago, like he will still have an opportunity, I believe to compete for a starting job somewhere. He's very clearly shown he's capable of it. And if they do end up moving on from him, a fresh start might be what he needs to go, show the pick up on the potential that he's shown this year and then go further with it. But that's like, to, of course, the reason the draft capital is kind of all over the place is because they're not, you know, other teams and other GMs and execs and other buildings have pointed out just the difficulty in being able to evaluate what the bears are going to ask for him. Yeah. Um, how do they value him? Because his play these last couple weeks since the you know week 11, his play is, progressively gotten better the sack numbers have gone down the interceptions have gone down he's his ability to step up in the pocket and make throws and not just tuck and run that's ex accentuated um that raises his draft stock so that's why it felt like because we were doing this research over the last couple of weeks every game felt like it was affecting his draft stock <laughs> the pick was going up and it, yeah the number of the price was going up like yesterday's price was not today's price it's kind of yeah. the mindset that i think you take it when you are looking at potential trade value and, and what a draft pick would yield for justin fields or what fields would yield for draft picks and i think that's what makes this decision so much more difficult right because it, it is kind of again the tale of two seasons it feels like the offense has been a lot more tailored to what he's more comfortable doing mm -hmm. maybe that's not how luke gets he wants to call an offense but we see success with it and, and that's why right from the first detroit game where he came back where everybody believes that for some reason the coaching went very passive you could have won that game. You put the ball back in Fields' hands with a, a 30 seconds to go, and he gets the strip fumble. From that time on, minus the Cleveland game, mm -hmm. you have seen pretty much every game look like Justin Fields looks pretty good. The second half numbers, again, Cardinals game, right? You're like, okay, I what the heck's going on here? I felt like they were less aggressive there. You see this game versus Atlanta. Luke Getze, for the first time this season, doesn't take his foot off the gas. He says, nope, we're going to run it down their throats. We're still going to keep Justin involved. We're going to get down the field. We're putting up points. And the Bears were kind of able to do that. So I, I can believe it that 
by the end of this season, if Justin can go into Green Bay, get the win there, we're talking about a high second round pick in return for him. And of course, a a a probably a grouping of picks. It's not going to be just one pick for Justin Fields at the end of the day. That could be a situation where you're still getting picks to build your team. You still have the opportunity to draft the number one overall quarterback or trade back and take one of the other quarterbacks in that situation. And you still have your own pick for this year. You're still building out the team. It still seems like it all. Fall. And I think that's what's so interesting. Both scenarios fall into what could be how Ryan Poles is executing his plan. Yeah. And that's again, like they're not in a. I know it's a real, I would not want to be Ryan Poles. I would not want to be tasked with making this decision, but he has a lot of good options here. The way that Fields has played has only helped the Bears these yeah. last couple of weeks, and it will help them if they decide that they want to go with the number one court, number one, use the number one pick on a quarterback in trade fields. Um, that will help them because it's not like Justin fell off a cliff and then like kind of a, like that'd be proving the, the part of the fan base, right? That's like trade Justin, go get Caleb Williams. He did not do anything. Like he did the opposite of that. He's only yeah. making it more difficult. And that's, I know that people have gotten like irritated with me, like some Bears fans saying, why are you saying it's making like this decision more difficult? Like it's a clear cut decision to go keep Justin Fields and keep, you know, move on from that number one pick and trade and go get like a haul of assets. No, it's not. Like yeah. it is so difficult because if you are hedging your future, your jobs, not just your jobs, but the jobs of everybody else that is on your staff, Look at what the Bears did in 2017 in passing up Patrick Mahomes or passing up to go take Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. That affected that front office's ability. Like, who, who in the front office has, has, a, has a GM job right now? None of them. There are people who are out of jobs yeah. right now, out of the league because of that. Like, if, and, and that's not just, it's not to say that like Poles and his staff would just be making jobs based on, their long-term hopes and dreams of, of what they want to do in this league. It affects right. the franchise. So it affects you it affects the people making that. And that's what you remembered for. So like all of these things that Justin did the last six weeks of the year are great. They're great for the bears. If they want to keep him, they're great for the bears. If they ultimately decide to trade him because he did everything they asked all of the stats that like they were looking at to try to like see him improve. Of course, there's certainly some that are still, no, that are still out there. The fourth quarter QBR, the the turnover to interception ratio late yep. in games, like the fourth quarter comebacks. We saw the one in, in Minnesota. We didn't see any others. And I mean, yeah, there were two nice wins there that didn't require that in Detroit. And then, of course, or against Detroit and then, you know, with Atlanta um, and even with Arizona to a degree. But, you know, there's still part of the evaluation on fields that remains, like you know, it remains for 2024, whether it's going to be on this team or another one. And, that's another layer of this that polls has to, you know, consider that, okay, the coaches that you are going to have here, whether it is Eberflus or somebody else or an offensive coordinator that a change at that position, do you think that Justin can then take that next step in year four? And are you willing to forego getting your guy in here, a quarterback that you're drafting unlike yeah. one that you didn't draft, but now you're hit. Like if they do that, they're ultimately hitching their wagon to fields. If they keep him, and tying him, like, you know, usurping the last regime and saying, okay, this is truly our guy now. That's a lot to consider, and that's a lot yeah. to weigh, and it's not a clear-cut decision whatsoever. Yeah, and and it's because, right, there's still an opportunity. Here's here's the biggest difference. A lot of people look at this in, in the sense of what the Mitch Trubisky deal uh, had, was ended up being, right, where you go get Mitch, you bring him on a team. The, the biggest difference here is that the Bears aren't, drafting with a three-win team anymore. The Bears Correct. are drafting with a seven- to eight-win team that has taken leaps and bounds, has made vast improvements. When you look at the offensive line, there are pieces on there where you can say that's a piece. that I think Tevin Jenkins, Darnell Wright, those are two legitimate pieces on your offensive line, hopefully for the next five to six years, ten years down the line, stuff like that. When you look at the receiver position, you know you got DJ Moore locked up. You need another wide receiver no matter what. You feel like you got a solid piece at the tight end position, somebody that at least has good hands. Cole Komet's not breaking any speed records here, but he's going to be able mm -hmm. to bring in 700 yards a season, bring in five, six touchdowns. That's kind of where... So you're bringing a guy into that situation. Mr. Bisky came into a team that was decimated, right? And then Justin Fields also came into a team 
that was decimated, right? You had 40-year-old Jason Peters trying to go one-on-one with Miles Garrett. Like, it's never going to be a good day when that's your first start. And yes, we've seen this Bears team move in the right direction continually, but it does feel like there could be, and for the other side of the of the debate, right, there could be guys or a feeling with Ryan Poles where, you know what, Caleb Williams or Drake May or whatever it is is coming into a a situation that feels similar to what we saw Jalen Hurts come into, feels similar to what we saw uh, Pat Mahomes. Now, not the same successes, but a team that's in place, a system that's in place, and a guy that wants them there already. And that's what we need to remember. This is not their pick. It's not their pick because they have a 2-15 record that the Carolina Panthers likely finish with this year. So you're not bringing a quarterback into a situation where you're bringing him into a bad team. So that's why you're weighing having the number one pick differently than if it were your own pick, like it were last year. But that's part of the reason why polls decided when he said he had to be blown away by a quarterback. Yeah. CJ Stroud probably isn't CJ Stroud on this team and this construction right off the bat. Um, they were building towards something and they realized, hey, we still have a lot of holes. And obviously you couldn't have projected like, you know, some of the picks that they would have made. Like, because CJ Stroud, if you're thinking that logic, like if they like let's just use him because Bryce Young's having a struggle of a season. Terrible and, year. Like, yeah. you know, the Bears would be in a probably even worse spot if they would have drafted him. But CJ Stroud, if you use that pick to go get him, what receivers is he throwing to? It's not gonna be DJ Moore because DJ Moore's on Carolina at that point. Um, so there's there's there's, there's so much to be weighed towards keeping that number one pick and drafting a quarterback because you're bringing a rookie quarterback in here to a team that could have a top five defense next yeah. year in every category because then you're using other resources in free agency in the draft to build that. You're bringing him into a team that has a good running game and that can protect. That's the recipe for success here and You've got the quarterback on a rookie contract. You can win with him when he's cheap. That is literally the Patrick Mahomes model. And so that's why that weighs differently versus if they had the 2-15 and record, which Ryan Poles would be like the same sad Ryan Poles leaving the game last year when his neighbor's like, hey, congratulations, like I'm the number one pick. He's like, yeah, thanks. Like (laughs) You never want to be in the spot where the number one pick is yours because it's yours via your record. Yes. Like, That's not a good spot to be in. No one's feeling great about that because there's probably jobs on the line and probably different people who are going to be making the choice of the pick that way. This is like the literal best case scenario for them. They got the pick. Carolina sucked. They fleeced them in the trade. They have draft assets for the future. And that's what makes the decision so difficult because you have a quarterback who's shown progress, but if you have this new quarterback that you believe you can win with with the structure of your team as is because it continues to get better and better each week, how do you weigh those things? Like, I would love yep. to see what his Venn diagram is. We have a proton <laughs> list because I can only imagine how big it is and how how many layers to it that he has to consider. Stuff that you and I probably aren't even thinking of. And also the element, which we detailed in the story, players that I talk to, players that, you know, who have expressed, players who have been around for a while. There are a lot of veterans here who are expressing the desire that fields stay because they understand not only what it would do to like to the locker room here, because yeah. I have never seen such unanimous support for an individual on any team in a position that affects offense, defense, special teams. I have never seen a player like that who has garnered such universal, unanimous support. That's something you have to weigh when you, if you're considering trading Justin Fields, how do you stomach going in and telling the locker room that you just did that? Yeah. And they felt like, okay, we're on the cusp of something. Again, it's a business decision at the end of the day. You have to be clear-headed. You cannot lead with your emotions, which he knows. But how do you do those things? How do you, you know, when, when some of these players have talked, which we detailed in the story, like they view themselves as being ready next year. They'll be ready. Like if you bring a young quarterback in, is that quarterback going to naturally have to like come into his own? Is that a year where you rely on your defense to go yeah. get you? Could but can your defense get you over the hump in playoff games? Like all of those things you have to consider and. That element is one that Poles, who's in the building every day, he's with these players, he drafted these players, he knows the mental and physical makeup of these players and the character of this locker room. It's not as easy to be like, okay, just get a new guy in here, players will adapt. They've That's a very tight-knit unit right now. It really is, because you don't get to potentially an 8-9 and nine record from 2-7 and seven 
if you don't have guys that bought into something along the way and, and felt that, okay, if we just stick together, we'll get through this. If you switch up on that with the most important position on the team, will it still be that way? Can you still rely on guys to, to help you get past that next year? That's not something you can answer right now, but you are taking a big gamble on that if you end up trading Justin, bringing somebody else in, expecting that that culture can pick up where it left off. And I think that's the part that a lot of people don't look at, right? There is an aspect of this, right? The quarterback is the leader of your team. Chicago, we've been there when the quarterback was not the leader of your team. Say what you want. I'll give Mitch credit. Mitch was the leader of the team. The team just wasn't very good with him, right? Mm -hmm. He just didn't have the talent. But he was at – guys listened when Mitch spoke. I'll give him credit on that. Kyle Long has said that. Many of the offensive linemen that played with him have said that. Like This guy had a control of the team. The talent just didn't play out. Justin Fields has shown you enough talent to where you can say, is he a good enough leader that you have to keep him with this team? And at the end of the day, yes, it could be a business decision, but what would it do with the guys that want to be here? The guys that want to play here, that want to play with Justin, because I think there is something to be said about how far we are in this season. I'm not like the moral wins guy in the second year. It's like, I, at this point, like I need real wins. I don't need moral wins, but, We've heard nothing about any behind the back, like this is a nightmare. There's, like at this point in the season with how bad this season started, mm -hmm. you would think you would hear somebody be like, no, this sucks. Like this is terrible. We're not doing anything. The coach has no idea. what he, Like the things that we've said about the coach, the, the issues that we've had about the coach, they've said in front of us all. They've talked about it in the media. We need more downfield passing. Mm -hmm. We need to be more aggressive on the defensive end. Players have talked about this in the media and to you guys in the media room. And so I do think that there's a real element of Justin Fields, credit to Matt Eberflus as well, have kept this thing together and moving it in the right direction. The 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 wins have come with them. When he was out four games with Tyson Bajan, he wasn't pouting and upset mm -hmm. that somebody else was getting praise in his city. He was right there praising Tyson as well. So I think that there is like that is a serious part of this because it feels like to me, and I think this is the side that I'm on though, right? Where there's a good chunk of the team that is still happy and is still here because of him. Yeah, still playing because yeah. they see somebody who is a leader of this group that they believe can get them to a certain place. Like I, I talked with one player who, you know, gave me like his view on the whole situation and players are not like clueless to what's going on outside the yeah. building. A, they know what's being said. I love how like a lot of them tell you, oh, we're not on social media, but like, I was like, not on social media to them means they're not on Twitter. It means they're on TikTok. That's right. just, like yeah, a yeah. different version of it. And I, I'm not on TikTok. I don't know what's being said there, but I know what's being said about him on... It's a lot of Jason Whitlock comments right now. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> fortunately, I mean, God, Jason Whitlock probably is hoping that, like, everybody uh, like is, is dialed in on Justin Fields' talk coming off He of loves today. your story this morning. He's yeah. like, please pay attention like, to anything with me. Look over here. Um, and then, but, like, one player I talked to was like, look, we know what's going on and how kind of empathizing with the front office. Like, how could you not take a number one, like the quarterback with the number one overall pick? Like, that's yeah. not a situation that you're likely often in if you're a good team. How could you possibly not do that? So it's it's tough from that element, but these players, they know what Justin's gone through to get them to this point. And, they're, you know, it's not easy just to, like, have belief. Okay, like, I see some guy who does good things in college. What do you, makes you think that that's all of a sudden going to, like, translate here? Yeah. The upside, these players know these guys. They they understand where they can take them, but they also know how long it takes to get on the same page with people. I mean, look at Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields. Like, Start off really hot, and then by year three, they're on two different wavelengths right now, it feels like. So yeah. to rebuild that with somebody else is a tough ask. I, I just... I, I, it's part of the evaluation. I'm not saying I'm not putting my my two cents on it in favor one way or the other. I'm just laying these all out. That's a right. really tough thing. And I will... I wanted to bring up something. I talked with Tom Thayer in my story because like, I, yeah. I thought it was just good to have he, – he's had this pulse on this team forever. He's been an analyst for 27 years, but also the culture of the city of Chicago. And he's what such that, a fan. Like, I love it. But it he gets like yes. what that would mean. I think his, his quote about it being like the biggest breakthrough in Chicago sports marketing history, you finally get that position right. After so many years of this being a 70-30 split – 70% disapproval rating for the quarterback, 30% approval rating, approval rating. Like 
it's so, this is the most polarizing it's ever been where you frankly have a very clear 50 50 split among the fan base keep fields don't keep fields it was not like that with mitch trubisky it wasn't like that with Cade mcnown it wasn't like that with rex like they were on the 70 percent dislike yeah. side. i think with a 30 percent like you probably are putting um jim miller into that mix um kyle orton guys who got you close but not yeah, yeah, yeah. goal cuddy was probably in there too like Cuddy was a weird I, one and I, I just, I mean, like, and I, I know, like, having grown up here, like, to see Justin in the light where it is so, it's such a, like, divided fan base right now and what they should do with the position, that's what makes it harder. Like, again, if he would have stunk the last couple of games that he played coming off the thumb, yeah, you're probably looking again at that 70-30 split and people saying, all right, goodbye, because it's probably not in a 7-10 and 10 record. And they're looking at the situation that, is much more clear cut, like clear cut, cut and dry um, to go get somebody and just move on from fields. But the way that he's played complicates this thing and makes it really tough. Like I, again, I don't envy what Ryan Poles and his staff are going to have to do here in the next couple of months to ultimately get to the draft because I don't think, and that's just getting pointed out. I don't think we're going to get a decision on like, what are they doing with fields? Yeah until we get closer to that because they've got to field trade offers if that is something that they want to do they also have to make sure i mean this is an important time with all-star games coming up and in in pro days and the combine and making sure that they have the right quarterback if he is one that is going to be drafted this year you've done all of your your legwork now with the evaluation of the stuff on the tape now is the character part now it's learning about these people and how they're going to fit into your building and that's the next couple months so they won't they won't have much time to do anything else other than deal with the situation like every day for the next four months. Yeah, and I think it's right. Like Justin, I love the fact that when you guys ask him about it, when he's when he's talked to about it, he's like, I feel like I've done all I can. And I gotta give him credit. Like you look at the last six games, the Cleveland game was horrible, right? And that's that's the one game where I look at it and I'm like, you played bad. I don't know how to tell you. Mm-hmm. It was it was well, a the, bad the game. offense itself was not great yeah. that day, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't oh, great in it either. The whole offense was terrible, but I mean 1,200 yards, five touchdowns passing, has three interceptions, two of which are Hail Mary attempts, mm-hmm. one at the end of a quarter. By the way, uh, just to get this out, if you were wondering why Cairo Santos didn't kick that field goal, look at the last game where he kicked a 55-yard field goal. I just, I just had to get that off my chest. People were calling and losing their mind. You got to kick it. Th-. No. He, I love Cairo. Not a lot of legs, bro. No, it's, not, it's not that much there. But you look at the uh, two of which are on Hail Mary, so really one bad interception. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, on the rushing side, he adds – Three more touchdowns as well. Three rushing touchdowns. Nine touchdowns to one pick that I believe is is terribly on him. Of course, three in the numbers in general. Like that's something to build on. That's mm-hmm. something that you can look at going into next season, depending on what he finishes out here versus Green Bay, and say, yeah, I can look at that and feel good about that as my quarterback right now. The part that I always that I keep, and I talked about this on the on the breeze today, right? Like Luke Getzey's a part of that too, guys. Everybody wants to move on. Everybody wants to clean house and get out of here. Like Luke Getzey's calling these plays. And and if we're saying that Justin Fields has improved every step of the way, which I do believe that he has, I I guess I can also say that Luke Getzey has improved as we've gone through the end of this season. And that Atlanta game is probably the best game he's called as a Chicago Bear offensive coordinator. I agree with that. And that's part of the evaluation. How much of that are you tying into the offensive coordinator? Do you feel that that pairing needs to stay? Are you want, did you find some magic in there that you feel like has to get replicated and won't if you go with somebody else? Um, And also what would your pool of offensive coordinator candidates look like? If you guys are, let's say, all right, flu staying, organization as they are looking and let's say flu staying they're going to fire luke getsy right in this scenario if the organization's like look we really love justin we got to find a coordinator that's going to come in here um and and be willing to you know coordinator's going to take the job because he knows justin's here yeah does that limit your pool that's a question you have to ask like from my understanding sounds like frank reich is probably in retirement for a bit uh i would be too if i was getting paid out uh you know a ton of money to you know not coach like, but that then, like Eric Bieniemy, if he's going to be available, is he going to want to co- come here and coach us? And or are you going to have to go with a first-time offensive coordinator yeah. again? And then are you in the same situation that you're we're in with the lumps that Justin and and Luke Getzey had to work through? Like, 
all of these like matrix level scenarios are, are really tough because yeah. the success that Justin has had, it's not just coming on broken plays. Like he's stepping up in the pocket. He's yes. making throws. Like the that DJ Moore injury, throw like, is insane. <laughs> and, and that's that's on the offensive coordinator too. Like the putting him in position to make those plays. So how do you weigh that in of like who stays, who goes? If you are the coaching staff, like if you're Matt Eberflus evaluating yeah. your coaching staff and Ryan Poles ultimately either agreeing or disagreeing with that. That's one where if you bring in a guy, he has to be the perfect. It has to be Mike McDaniels to Tua. It has, you have no option but to have the perfect fit, and you have to know that it's going to work. The second he walks in, Justin looks at his system and goes, oh, this makes sense. Because you're, you're, you're having him learn a third one since 2021. That's not... That's oh, it's not, not, every, not everybody can be Kirk Cousins with that. And even Kirk has struggled. Like, my yeah. God, the guy's been in six or seven offensive systems since he got to the league in 2014. Yeah. How many years when I was covering him, it's like, man, another offensive co coordinator, another new system, another set of verbiage to use. Like, that takes a lot of time to get proficient at. And you're asking, if, you, if you're bringing in a new OC, you're asking Justin to do that again? That's, again, with your clock. Does that set you back a year? That's a lot to consider. Yeah, and and you're really, I mean, with this defense, it's not finished, but realistically, you're only getting three to four years of elite-level play out of a defense. You got to take that into account as well. I think maybe this defense pushing some things, uh, uh, pushing the pressure on some things as well. Here's, here's the part that I thought was very, very interesting about the article, kind of for the fields, because we've talked a lot about, right, if we move on from fields, but kind of for the people that are saying keep fields, build the team out. And I think this is a GM's dream. You trade what you traded for. You get all the pieces back that you that you uh, traded for the first overall pick last year. You get the pick again, and you guys are basically reporting that the Bears can get more than the Bryce Young package, mm -hmm. even from a team picking in the top five for the number one overall pick this year. And why is that? Because the quarterback crop is a lot different. Like, the, the talent is so much better than what it was last year. We weren't sure going down to that final week. Is it Bryce? Is it CJ? Like, no. it could have been a coin flip for some in some people's perspective. Then it was Anthony Richardson. Where you the know, heck did that come from? And that's, there's so much more talent, top-end talent to begin with. And then there's the, you know, how this thing might, this might need, if they do trade it, this might be the three-team sort of, circumventing not that you can do a three-team trade in the nfl the way that yeah. you do in the nba but like how do how do they get involved here like how would other teams if they're further down the draft board trying to move up like how do they see this thing going through with caleb williams drake may is there a third like you know i know we're, we're all recency bias right now but like michael Penix jr played out of his mind in the yes. biggest stage last night how how fast is he going to start climbing up draft boards? Where is he going to go? Where's Jaden Daniels going to go? Like all of these quarterbacks that could end up, you know, you know, we do we expect change from now on January second till the time the draft comes around. There will be change to the draft board. Is Caleb Williams still the number one overall pick? Do is there is he like the best quarterback in this draft class? Will yeah. people's mind change and say, oh, it's Drake May? Like all of that because there are so many more options to choose from are why. People around the league expect there to be a bigger haul this time around for the number one overall pick than what they got the last time, which again was DJ freaking more in a trade. <laughs> and then on top of that, four draft picks. Yeah. Four first and, and second and, round draft picks. And he wanted Brian Burns. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite part of it. He's like, hey, let me get Brian Burns. Whoa. We're not going to sign him, but we can't give him up to you for the first <laughs> overall pick. How about DJ Moore? Then a week into the season. We need a number one wide receiver. Like we're in trouble here, boys. Yeah. Like it, it's it, ultimate fleece. It's so interesting when I look at this situation, because I would say, right. I get a lot of people. You don't build your team by going out and paying everybody, especially if you pay the quarterback, right? They, uh, me and Shay got into a, a bit of a screaming match on the radio this week. Uh, it was, it was pretty fun actually though, but a bit of a screaming match on, can you build a team if you're paying the quarterback? Because a lot of people look at it and say, you got to win a Super Bowl when this guy's on his rookie deal. That's mm -hmm. the only way that you can go out there and do it. And realistically, that's the easiest way, but it's not the like the most way. real. It's not the most realistic way. I believe even right. I think only two quarterbacks have done it in the last 30 years on their rookie deal. So it's kind of still like 
speaking to you got to have the team in place anyway mm -hmm. when you go out there and make that kind of a move. But holding on to fields, the way to build would be through the draft. If you can get a bigger haul than what you got for Bryce Young, which, by the way, Tyreek Stevenson, mm -hmm. uh, what ends up being Darnell Wright, uh, the second over second round pick this year, uh, or, or next year, next year, 2025, they got a 2024 first rounder, 2025 second rounder, the Panthers pick last year at nine, and then they got yeah. 51, which is what they ended up moving up from to go get uh, Tyreek. If you can get more than that, mm -hmm. that's the scenario where it does make sense to me to hold on to Justin Fields, because now it's like, well, yeah, like I can now build what San Francisco built. I can mm -hmm. now build what, uh, uh um, Kansas City built because now I have all of the bites at the apple that I need to find multiple top tier players and I can get them early in the draft as opposed to getting them in the fourth, fifth round. Yeah. And that's if they like the calls that they have to make on that for the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, that's how you start to gauge interest. And you probably, I know when Ryan Poles traded the pick last year. Which, yeah. was at, which was at the combine, or excuse me, it was the week after the combine. He says, oh, I think I'll get it done by free agency. And he proved every one of us doubters wrong. I did not think he was going to move it until like late March, but he yeah. ends up moving it March 10th. Like, what is his timeline? Because we need to figure out then, like, what are you looking at here? Because that's going to affect the Justin Fields decision. If they trade it before, you know, before, let's say, free agency again, then of course, obviously, like if they trade it, you're sticking with Justin. You're sticking with Justin. What does that mean for the Hulk? Can you get a better price as you get closer to the draft, or is it something where the price won't change if you do it in March or early April? That's like, but it takes time. Like those calls aren't just like, "Hello, hi, uh, what do you, what would you give us for the number one overall pick?" Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Like we'll get back to you in a day. That's constant back and forth yeah. and figuring out what it's not an uber call it's not no, a call and that's why you have so many people on your support staff here if you were in like the scouting world because you have to know what every other team's draft capital situation is what their free agency situation is that this free agency meetings that teams go through at the end of november going into december and now they're all like starting draft meetings um as you try to build your board, you're also trying to estimate what other 31 other teams boards look like to a degree yeah. to figure out, okay, we know that we can push this button with this team and that'll yield this sort of pick. Like that's a lot of work. Like it's any to, and again, anybody saying it's easy, you're not factoring in some of the most important elements that take time to yeah. sort through and make this even more difficult than it is on the surface. Let me ask you this, because I think that the scenario that it's in our mind is if they get the first overall pick, they take a quarterback, Justin Fields is gone. If they don't get the first overall, or if they trade the first overall pick, Justin's sticking around. Is there a world where, because where Ryan Poles comes from, Pat Mahomes sat behind mm -hmm. uh, um, Alex Smith. Is there a world where the Bears try to take a quarterback in the 10 to 15 range and they hold on to multiple quarterbacks moving in because Caleb, you're not sitting Caleb Williams behind Justin Fields. You're just not. But maybe a Jaden Daniels, maybe a like somebody you take a little bit later in the draft. You're more willing to go. He was elite in college. He's going to sit here and learn for a few years. We're going to follow the the ugh, the Packer model. That's the a source I was texting with today said that that's like the champagne problems of things to have if you are able to do that and. What I have brought up to you is that this is a situation where the team hasn't been able to develop one quarterback at a time. What's the harm in trying to do two at once? And I know that, like, you know, I don't know how much leverage Fields and his team would, in his team, meaning his agent and all that stuff, would have, but they could easily say, nope, we don't want to be here, trade us. But if it is somebody that is not the number one overall pick, if it is somebody that's a little bit later in the first round, who's to say that person doesn't sit behind Fields and then? You get to see either he like the worst is that that player becomes a high end backup and that yep. Justin succeeds and everything else is great. But that's a situation that we have to look at as part of the overall evaluation of them moving on from the number one overall pick. If they like somebody in the mid first round, then why not go get that player in and then have him sit here without the pressure of having to play right away? It's going to be interesting kind of to see what this team is going to end up doing. Courtney. We appreciate it. It was an excellent article. We'll have the article linked in the description below. You and Jeremy did great work on this. And, and I mean, listen, it's going to be 
a wild offseason on the Chicago Bears podcast. I can tell you that much. Like, we're going to have a lot to talk about. I don't think that we're going to have that same lull that we had last year, at least not as much of a lull. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It'll be be really busy this offseason. Hey, we want to know how you guys feel. Let us know in the comments below. As always, hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Where do you land on any situation that we laid out here? Make sure to check out the article as well. As always, for Courtney Cronin, I'm Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Let's go get a dub versus the Packers. Bear down. Peace.